This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Rava. You know, sometimes when we listen to things and as you know, when we switch on channels and these days it's not just about television channels anymore, but you know, you can download apps for specific ministries, specific services, and you can watch on demand. These days, live TV is almost something that is just for something specific that you need to know at that point in time. Besides that, you can literally almost watch or listen to anything on demand, just like our podcast, just like our messages after the fact on our website and our different social media channels and services. And so it's amazing how you can do that. But there is nothing like hearing the truth live. Amen. But besides that, what I'm really saying there is, is that, you know, sometimes you can just find something and listen to something. A new preacher comes along, a new message comes along, a new ministry comes along, and we think, well, that sounds good. They're getting popular and people are liking it. People are sharing it. You know, people are talking about it. But it always goes back to what Jesus said to his disciples, to the people. Beware of leaven in the teaching. And he was talking about doctrine. And he was cautioning the people and he was saying, be careful what you hear. Be careful what you take into your heart. Be careful what you receive, what teaching you receive. Because it will affect your life and it will determine a lot of the things that we do and see and experience in life. So <clears throat> receiving the right doctrine is crucial. It is important. And I'm not saying that we have it 100%, but we've definitely taken off. And I'm not saying that, you know, there's <clears throat> one or two or anything. I mean, we're all human. We all teach with, you know, I mean, Scripture says, through the foolishness of preaching, none of us have it all. But we need to be led by the Spirit of God. We need to make sure that what we hear lines up and is congruent with what Jesus said, with what God says in His Word, and what the Holy Spirit leads us to. And the reason why I say all that is because not everyone who preaches, preaches good news. Isn't that true? I mean, oftentimes I stumble into things and I, I, I want to check out a podcast because the cover looks real good, or I see clips of it somewhere on YouTube or some other channel, or maybe even on television, not that I watch much of it these days, but we see things where they just seem to be phenomenal. They have all the fireworks, they have all the backgrounds, they have all the tech to go with it. And then you listen to the message and you think, well, how is that good news? How is that pointing us to Jesus and the finished work of the cross? And as I said, I'm not saying that anyone has it down perfect, but we, it is our responsibility as believers to make sure that we ingest, we consume. Those are not the best words, but you know what I'm trying to say. It is in our best interest to make sure that we always hear the good news. And so that's the title of our message today. It is Good News, <clears throat> the Heart of the Gospel. And if you think about it, that is the heart, the very core, the very essence, if you will, of the gospel. It is good news. 
So whenever someone preaches the gospel, whenever they say, I'm preaching the gospel to you, if they say to you, I am a gospel preacher, this is a gospel preaching ministry, this ministry propagates the gospel, really they should live up to that, just as we should, and we should be preaching good news. Now I know immediately you'll have some folks that will say, well, you know, but you've got to preach against sin, and you've got to preach behavior modification, and you've got to help people realize you know, that they need to clean up their lives and get their act together. And, you know, the honest truth is, <clears throat> we need to look at the life of Jesus. We need to look at the life of the apostles, who Jesus raised and trained. And we need to look and see what they preached, how they preached, and ultimately, what was their goal. And if you look at that, you'll see that Jesus preached good news. He never told people the obvious. He didn't, have, he didn't need to go around telling people, oh, you are sinful, oh, you're doing this, oh, you're doing that. And oftentimes people take portions out of context and misteach that or miscommunicate that or misinterpret that and make it sound like Jesus was a doom and gloom preacher. But every time we see him doing those kind of things and we look at it in context, we see that his heart ultimately was good news. And that's what I want to show you today. I want to show you in this message that good news is the heart of the gospel. Whenever you listen to someone preach, whenever you listen to someone teach, when it's all said and done, you should walk away feeling, sensing like you've heard good news. Not like you've heard bad news, not like you've heard something that you've got to fix and something you've got to do, although, you know, <clears throat> there are things that we all need to work on. But ultimately, when the, when the Word of God, when the Gospel is preached, it has to leave with us an aftertaste, if you will, of good news. It has to leave an afterthought of good news. It has to leave us walking away like we've just walked away from hearing good news. Because ultimately, that's what gospel means, and that's what it is, and that's what it should be. And Jesus is no different in doing that. So let's have a look at that today, and let's begin with Mark chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 14 and 15 from the King James translation. It says there, <clears throat> Now after that, John was put in prison. That's John the Baptist. Jesus came into Galilee preaching, look at that, preaching, the gospel, that means good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God. And saying, and notice that it's in red, so this is what Jesus said, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Notice he came to preach the gospel and then he says, believe the gospel. So right there, we see so many different things that Jesus conveyed. So I want to point some of those things out to you. It's pretty powerful what Jesus said there. First of all, let me tell you, and I'm sure you know this and you realize that, but it's worth noting that preaching was common in those times as it is today. You know, sometimes we have this mindset and we think that when we read about Jesus preaching, that it was the first time people in those communities experienced a preacher, experienced someone preaching. 
And that's far from the truth. In actual fact, just like there are myriads of preachers today in the world, it was so in Jesus' time. There was a preacher in every town, more than one, and there were preachers everywhere. And there were all kinds of doctrines that were being taught. There were legalistic doctrines, there were Gnostic doctrines, there were idol worship doctrines, there were all kinds of doctrines. Because in those days, remember, unlike our day, they didn't have the technology we have, such as podcast, television, on demand, YouTube, they didn't have those things. And so what they had was preachers, preachers who preached live to an audience. <clears throat> and so Jesus was among many preachers who came. And so he did what everyone else was doing to convey a message or their message. And this is why it says that Jesus came into Galilee preaching. And so amongst all these doctrines and amongst all these preachers, this was one more that they were going to listen to. But this is the one that really mattered. So Jesus preached. That's what we see there. But what is key to note in that portion we've just read, can we put it back on? Let me show you. <clears throat> Look at what Jesus preached. It says, Jesus came into Galilee. Look at what it says next. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Notice I've emboldened that so we can see that. And what that tells you right there is, is that Jesus had a central theme to what he preached. Or you could say, Jesus had a frame for his message. Or you could say, Jesus, right there and then, made clear what the parameters of his message, of his doctrine, if you will, would be. So he himself limited himself to preach one specific thing. He put a parameter, he put a frame, he put a central theme to what he would preach about. And what was that? The gospel of the kingdom of God. So that was his central theme, and that was his, the frame of his message. So he wouldn't go outside of that and preach anything else. He didn't preach on end times, even though he spoke about it, but in relation to the gospel. He spoke about many things, but it always came back to the gospel of the kingdom of God. And so that's something that we need to note there and understand and realize <clears throat> that Jesus himself, perfect man, perfect God, the Messiah, the Redeemer, when he preached for the time that he preached here on earth, he literally let us know, this is what my message is. It is the gospel of the kingdom of God. So having seen that and having said that, we then need to just clarify that and see for ourselves what exactly he means. Because that's the essence of what he's going to preach and what he did preach. So we know that gospel, the word gospel from the original, we know that it means good news. It's extremely good news. It doesn't mean partial good news. It doesn't mean good news with a little bit of bad news. No, it means good news. In actual fact, if you go and look in, at the uh, etymology of that word, you know, gospel, the good news, <clears throat> you will find that it actually directly translated, you could actually put it this way, nearly too good to be true good news. 
That's what that means. It's powerful. It's good news, period. That's it. Now, so we know that that's what gospel means. So when Jesus said he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, so the first thing we need to understand is, is that Jesus came to preach good news. Not bad news, not partial good news. He came to preach good news. And this is why I say to you, we should, when we hear preaching, and they say that it's Bible-based, they say that it's Word-based, they say that it's Spirit-led, they say that it's the gospel, then it has to be good news because that's what Jesus preached. And good news is the heart and the essence of the gospel. That's why it is so. So we understand that that's what gospel means. So then, what does the kingdom of God mean? What did Jesus mean by that? Well, <clears throat> Romans chapter 14 verse 17 gives us the answer to that question. What is the kingdom of God? There it is there. Watch this. For the kingdom of God is not, notice that, meat and drink, watch this, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Right there it tells us the definition of the kingdom of God. And it says that it is not tangible natural things. It tells us that, is, that it is spiritual, invisible things that are very real to someone who receives salvation in Jesus, which are righteousness, peace, and joy, all produced, all made possible by the Holy Spirit. So that's what the kingdom of God is. So when Jesus when it says that, that Jesus came preaching the good news of righteousness, peace, and joy in Him. That's what He came to preach. The good news that you can now have right standing with God because of Jesus. The good news that you can be at peace with God because of Jesus. The good news that you can be joyful, you can have joy because of Jesus, because He redeemed you and paid the price for your sin to set you free. Amen? That's the kingdom of God. Pretty powerful stuff. Now, I love the way the voice translation puts that verse, and it helps us understand it even clearer. Watch this now from the voice translation. Same verse. It says, Because the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. When God reigns, the order of the day is, watch this, redeeming justice, <clears throat> true peace, and joy made, made possible by the Holy Spirit. So you can see from that, that that is the definition of the kingdom of God. So what we see from that is, is that the kingdom of God is not a visible or tangible kingdom. Amen. It is a spiritual kingdom, if you will. And I'm going to expound on that a moment, in a moment, a little bit more. But I want to show you, first of all, that the kingdom of God is not something physical. It's not something we can see. It's not something we can point to. It's not something that we can set at the GPS on our phones to say, take me to the kingdom of God. 
as, as nice as that would be, it's not anything like that. It is something that is invisible. It is something that is spiritual. And it says that Je that's what Jesus preached. He preached the good news about the kingdom of God. In other words, an invisible spiritual reality. Let me show you Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21. It actually confirms the fact that the kingdom of God is not something visible or tangible or a place where we can go to. Luke 17, verse 20 and 21 from the King James. Watch this. It says, and when he was <clears throat> demanded of the Pharisees, that's talking about Jesus, obviously. Watch this. When the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, so he has people, relig relig religious leaders, who wanted to know from him, when is the kingdom of, of God coming? Where is it going to be established? <laughs> Watch this. And so Jesus says, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. In other words, it's not something you're going to be able to see with your natural eyes, he says. Then he says, neither shall they say, in other words, those who enter the kingdom, those who receive the kingdom, neither shall they say, lo, here, or lo, there. In other words, it's not a physical place, a physical location where you can go to. For behold, and here it is, the kingdom of God is within you. <laughs> Another translation in Exodus from the original, you can also put that last phrase this way. The kingdom of God is within you and among you. And who he was talking about is those who would believe, who would receive salvation in Jesus. And he says, the kingdom of God, now we've already established that and we've seen how Jesus explained it and clarified it. The kingdom of God is not a physical place. It's not a tangible place. It's not something we can see with our natural eyes or touch it with our natural eyes. It is spiritual realities which are right standing, peace, and joy. And now he says that's what the kingdom is and it is within you. In other words, when you receive salvation in Jesus, you and I both know we become righteous before God in Jesus. We are at peace with God because of Jesus. And we have joy because we understand the realization of what Jesus has done to redeem us. Amen. That's why he says the kingdom of God is within you. Now I want you to just think that for a moment. What does that look like? What, is, what, is, what does that feel like? What does that sense like? And you know, I was trying to just prayerfully think of an illustration. And I thought, you know, the way we can liken it is to being in love with someone. When you are in love with someone, when you love someone, like your children, your spouse, when you love, when you know you have love for someone else, it's not something that can be touched. It's not something that can be seen, but it's a powerful force because it's within you. You just know that it's there. So when someone says, I am in love, or when someone says, I love this person, I love my child, I love my spouse, it's not something tangible, it's not something visible, but it's a state that they have on the inside. So they are in love, they are in a state of love. It's a state of being. Are you with me? 
And that's what Jesus means, and that's what it means that the kingdom of God is within you. What he is saying is, is that when you receive salvation in Jesus, you step into a state of righteousness. You step into a state of peace with God. You step into a state of joy in the Holy Spirit. It's pretty powerful things. It's all that you sense and feel because of the fact that you received salvation in Jesus. And that's what it means to have the kingdom of God living within you. So if you receive salvation in Jesus and you understand your righteousness, the fact that you're at peace with God and you have joy in the Holy Ghost, guess what? The kingdom of God is within you. Amen. So when Jesus said that he came preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, that's what the gospel means. That's what the gospel is. That's why good news is the heart of the gospel. Amen. So the kingdom of God is within the believer and it's also among believers because when we are together, the kingdom of God is among us because it's within us. Amen. So the kingdom of God, as we have seen thus far, is not a denomination. It's not a group of people because I've seen cults, if you will, call themselves, you know, kingdom now people, kingdom now church and so forth. But that's not what the kingdom of God is. It's not a denomination. It's not a movement. And we've seen, you know, doctrines that have come and gone through the years. For example, kingdom now theology, kingdom now doctrine. We've seen that come. It's not a movement. The kingdom of God is not something to be yet established. You know, people say we're going to pray the kingdom of God down. We're going to bring it down from heaven. No. <laughs> the kingdom of God is not a denomination. It's not a movement. It's not something yet to be established. It is something that is within us in because of Jesus and the finished work of the cross. Amen. That's what the kingdom and Jesus preached that. That was the good news that he preached. And you and I are still experiencing that to this day because of the fact that Jesus preached the good news. Amen. Pretty awesome stuff. Now, like I said earlier, the best way to understand the kingdom of God is by seeing it as a state of being. A state that you find yourself in after having received salvation in Jesus. Just like when someone is in love, it's a state of being. Now, they can supposedly, I've heard people say they fall out of love, it's all choices. But, you know, um, this isn't something like that. It is something that is within you, so you are in that constant state. You're in a constant state of righteousness. You're in a constant state of peace with God. And because of that, you're in a constant state of joy in the Holy Spirit Himself, who makes it all possible for you. Amen? So that's what the kingdom of God is. And that is what Jesus preached. Isn't that good news? Of course it is. That's why it says that he preached the gospel, the good news of those realities. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. <clears throat> so anyway, having said that, um, the other thing too that I want to point out to us here is, is that this state of being, in other words, having the kingdom of God within us, this state of being, it is unaffected 
by circumstance, by situation, by hardship. Isn't that so? Because it's a state of being. Think about someone who loves someone else. They're in a state of love for that person. That person can, can say things that are hurtful to them. Things can happen around them, hardship. They can face lack. They can face sickness, whatever they face. They're always in that state of being because they love that person. I mean, one of the closest examples that I can give you is, you know, Helene and I with our daughter, Gabriella. We love our daughter and whatever it takes to take care of and provide for her, we will do because we love her. Will we get it right every time? No. Will we always say the right thing every time? No, because we're human. But at the end of the day, no matter what she faces, no matter what we face as a family, no matter what we face personally ourselves, we're going to put all of that aside because of the state of love that we have for her. So it is unaffected by circumstance, by condition, or, or anything else. Amen. And that's what this is saying to us. This is that the kingdom of God, that state of righteousness, peace and joy, is unaffected by the things we face. That's pretty awesome good news, wouldn't you agree? Now someone may say, well, why is that important to know? Because, I'm talking about the fact that it is unaffected. That state of being is unaffected by uh, circumstance or condition. Why is that important to know? Well, because there are so many that have been taught to believe. And please listen to this carefully. There are so many that have been taught to believe, specifically through legalistic teaching. So many that have been taught to believe that it's only when they experience their needs being met, their wants being met, and it's only when certain things fall in place in their lives that they can actually then say and be in a state of righteousness, of peace and joy. So it becomes a performance-based thing. You do these things, you'll have that fruit, and the fact that you have that fruit means that you are in the state of the kingdom of God. And that is so far from the truth. And that's why you have some believers who are chasing things and running after things and trying to perform and earn and deserve things because they think that that's how they manifest the kingdom of God in their lives. And that is how they experience those realities through their performance and their merit and their self-effort. And the fact of the matter is, is that it's all been achieved for us and done for us in Jesus. That's why it's a state of being that we receive by faith. Amen. And so that's the reason why I say that it's unaffected by circumstance or condition. You should not ever doubt your right standing, your peace with God, and you should always have joy. Even in the midst of trial, be a joy because you are eternally redeemed. Though the good news is, is that you are righteous, you're at peace, and you have joy, regardless of what happens to you and around you. Amen. In actual fact, Jesus made that reality, or should I say Jesus clarified and confirmed that reality that I've just told you in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Watch this. He says, But seek first, notice, he's giving us the order, but seek first the kingdom of God. Now you know what that is. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's the good news, right? But seek first the good news of righteousness, peace, and joy, and His righteousness. So he emphasizes that, talking about God. Then he says, And all these things shall be added unto you. 
In other words, what Jesus is saying there in the context of what we're saying here today is, is that he's saying, first, get into the state of being of the kingdom of God, and then everything else will follow. Everything else will land on you, or you'll get what you need. That's what he's saying. In other words, he's reversing the order of what legalistic teaching says. Because legalistic, legalistic teaching says, do, 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 and then you'll get. But here he says, this is grace. Seek first that state of being, and everything else will follow. Why? Because when you are righteous, when you are at peace with God, and you have joy, God, will, God takes care of you, because you are His. Amen? <laughs> I hope this is making sense. Ultimately, what he's saying is, first seek the state, then everything else will follow. Amen? Alright, so it's very quiet, and I don't hear enough amen, so I'm just going to continue here. I trust that you're just taking it all in. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Watch this. I want to point out something else here. We've already read this in the beginning, but I want to point out something else here. It says, Now after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee, watch this, <clears throat> preaching the good news of the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, you know, we've expanded on all of that now. Then he says, And saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, this is now the time for these realities. It's happening. It's coming upon you. And then he says, Repent ye and believe the gospel. What gospel is he talking about? The gospel about the kingdom of God. So what Jesus is saying is, Repent and believe what I've just told you about the good news about the kingdom of God, which is about righteousness, peace, and joy. Right? He says, repent and believe. Now, I want to show you, some, most people, unfortunately, traditionally, most people understand that word repent to mean get on your knees, say sorry to God for your sins, and make sure you show real remorse, and make sure you voice it. You can add some tears to that and some emotion. And when you are convinced, when God is convinced, and you feel that He's convinced, then you've repented, and now you believe. But that's not what that word means. That word repent means something different. And we've spoken, you know, if you've been with us for a while, you know exactly what that means. And so I want to show you what that word means from the original. That word repent that you see right there. So let's have a look at it from the HELPS Word Studies. This is a lexicon that really just simplifies it for us. So there's the word repent. There's the number if you want to pursue a study. And it's the word metanoel. Okay? And it comes from two other original Greek words. So it's a compound of two words. The first is meta, as you see. And meta means change after being with. And noeo is the other word that it comes from, which means think. So then it says properly, in other words, translated properly together, it means think differently after. In other words, you hear the good news, you're around someone and you hear what they have to say, and your mindset changes, your thinking changes. You change your mind about views that you had before you heard the person. That's what that means. Then it goes on and it says, after a change of mind. See that? To repent. Literally, it means to think differently afterwards. So having looked at that and having seen that, 
what Jesus then meant when he said what he said in the portion in Mark 1.15 that we just read, what he said is, the time is at hand, uh, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So he says, change your mind after having heard me preach the gospel. Now, you know, I can, we can improvise it that way and make, it, make sense of it that way because it's all in context. <clears throat> so what he's saying is, change your mind after having heard me share, preach the good news with you about the realities of righteousness, peace and joy and believe that good news. That's what he said when he said that. It's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? So really, what he's saying is, after hearing me preach the good news, change your mind and believe what I told you. That's what he was saying. So it's not this laborious thing, you know, an altar call and, you know, all of this other stuff that traditionally we see happening in churches. That's not what repent really truly means. I've just shown you what it means from the original. It means to have a change of mind. So really what Jesus was saying is you need to accept and believe the good news that I've shared with you about the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what we need to do. And if we don't accept and believe it, then it will have no effect on us and there'll be no benefit for us as a result. But I know that I'm preaching to the choir here, so we'll just move on from that. Now, let's have a look some more about the good news that Jesus preached. Just to bring all this home and put it in a bit more context of the whole gospel, the good news. Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 22, the first part of verse 22. It says there, And when he came to Nazareth, that's Jesus, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah, it's put in the King James. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Now watch this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me, watch this, to preach the gospel, to preach the good news to the poor. Now you know he's not talking about the financially poor although it includes them, he's talking more about the spiritually poor, which was literally everyone, because there was no redemption in Jesus there yet. So, But it says that, that God put His Spirit upon him so that he would preach. So we understand that preaching is a God-ordained thing. And what are we to preach? The gospel. And that means good news, right? To the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Is that good news? Of course it is. To preach deliverance to the captives. Is that good news? Sure it is. And recovering of sight to the blind. In other words, when you couldn't see, now you'll see truth, gospel truth. Is that good news? Of course it is. To set at liberty them that are bruised. Is that good news? Sure it is. To preach, notice, the acceptable year of the Lord. That's a phrase, a term used to say, that now God's acceptance is possible and real. The time for acceptance has come. That's another way you can put that. It's not a specific year or anything like that. It's a phrase to say, the time of acceptance <clears throat> has come. So now, we, I need to ask you a question. Based on what we've seen so far, that's what Jesus said. 
he was anointed to preach. And he said, it's all good news. And we've seen all the different aspects of the good news. It is all good news, isn't it? I mean, whoever was affected by those specific things, was good, it was good news to them. So now it goes on in verse 20 to 22, the first part of verse 22. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Can you imagine that? The whole crew just watching you. But then watch this. And he began to say unto them. So again, he begins to preach and share good news with them. But watch what is recorded here. This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. In other words, you've just heard the good news of the kingdom of God. And all bear him witness, watch this, and wondered, I love this, at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. In other words, not everything he said is recorded here, but apparently what he said, he conveyed the wonderful grace of God, the good news. Amen. I mean, this is pretty powerful, powerful stuff here. So, we see that Jesus was anointed to preach good news, not bad news. That's why good news is the heart, the essence of the gospel. Amen. And the prophecy that he read from Isaiah, notice he read all the good news about it. Amen. And <clears throat> this is what people should be hearing in the church world today. So that's why I said to you when I began, when someone says, I'm preaching the gospel, they are saying, in true meaning, I'm preaching the good news. And if it's not good news, if it doesn't sound like good news, if, it does, if you don't walk away feeling like you've just heard good news, like those who listened to Jesus just did, as we saw it, then <laughs> either the preacher is lying or he's got a different definition for good news. Because good news is truly good news. And that's what we need to be hearing. Amen. And I guess as a pastor or as your, pa as your pastor, as a teacher of the word, one of the things that has weighed heavy on my heart for the last maybe two weeks, this past week specifically more intensely, and I think it's because of this message, I hear the hearts of God just saying, you know, so many times through the ages, God has kind of just popped into time. I'm describing it my way. He's kind of just popped into time gospel truth. Gospel about the wonderful grace of God and the good news. And people fight it. People resist it. People accuse it of being heresy. You know, they kind of push away and say, no, 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 we've got to have a bit of law. We've got to have a bit of this. And they turn good news into potential good news or good news based on what you do, what you don't do. And I hear the heart of God just saying, stay true to the message. Stay true to good news. It doesn't need to be modified. It doesn't need to be spiced. It doesn't need to be mixed. It is good news, period. Receive it. Amen. That's what I hear the Spirit of God in the heart saying in what I'm sharing with you today. Because that's what good news is. Amen. And that's what people should be hearing from preachers today. Good news. But the question is, are they? I mean, so often we hear things like, you know, <laughs> they bring up generational curses, for example. And they tell you, well, if you don't do this, this and that, then this is going to happen to you. That's not good news. 
Then they tell you, well, you know, you've lost your righteousness because you've done this and that. That's not good news. You can never be holy unless you do this and that. That's not good news. You can't be at peace with God because you've done this and you haven't done that. And so come and repent and do this. That's not good news. You can't be healed until you've forgiven these people and those people and you let this go and you confess this and you don't do this. That's not good news. And I'm telling you, I come from a place. I come from that place, if I can put it that way. I was one of those preachers at one time. And I appreciate my heritage. I'm not saying I despise it all. But praise God for God's revelation. And this is why I'm so passionate about sharing gospel truth with you. To a great expense personally to my family. But I'm telling you, we have to preach the message. Because people need to hear it. Amen. You need to be strengthened in it. It has to be good news. Because that's what Jesus preached. That's what we need to preach. Amen. And we need to make sure that the kingdom of God rules in people's hearts. That they're always in that state of being. Amen. That's ultimately the good news and the gospel. And so <clears throat> Jesus didn't come, to, like I said earlier, Jesus didn't come to tell people the obvious. People know when, they, when they're in sin. People know when they're sinful. People know when they are flowing in who they are in fallen Adam. They don't need to be told the obvious. And I mean, the reason why I say that is just the other day, I was watching something on my phone and this suggestion popped up and it was a short clip. And it's this preacher just preaching guilt, shame and condemnation nonstop, thinking that he's going to get people to change their minds. And I'm thinking, all you're doing is upsetting people and telling them the obvious. And you want to know why they don't tune in again. But it has to be good news because that's what Jesus did. Amen. You see, <clears throat> Jesus came to tell them what they didn't know and what they could have. That is good news. Amen. And that's what we need to do. So based on everything we've seen and what we've read about Jesus and when he read from the book of Isaiah, we see that the gospel always produces hope, healing, deliverance, vision, liberty, acceptance. That's what the gospel does. That's what it produces. Amen. It's preaching that does, does not communicate, or should I say preaching that does not communicate that and produce those results is not the gospel. It is not good news. Amen. Remember, in the beginning I, say, I shared with you, Jesus put a frame around his message. He didn't have to. He didn't need to. He's God. But he chose to do it. He put, a, he put the central theme. He put the parameters around his message. Why? So we can follow suit and do as he did. Preach good news. Amen. And that's what we need to do. Let's have a look at Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 3, as we come in for a landing here. It says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners. One translation says, notorious sinners, for to hear him. So what was Jesus doing? He was preaching. What was he preaching? Good news about the kingdom of God. In other words, good news about righteousness, peace, and joy. And notice who's drawn to him. Publicans. Those were Jews who worked for the Romans collecting taxes from their own people. So they were seen as betrayers to some degree. They were despised by the community. So they came to Jesus. And then sinners, people who knowingly 
the community knew that these people did wrong on a regular basis and had the wrong kind of lifestyle. But they the ones that came to Jesus to do what? To hear Him. Why? Because He preached good news. He didn't preach guilt, shame, condemnation or unknown things that need to be done before you can do this and be that and all that. No. They came to hear the good news of the kingdom of God because you've seen that's what He preached. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured. Isn't that typical? The religious people, the legalistic preachers, they're the ones that moan and complain. They're the ones that spoke against Jesus and speak against us today, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. <laughs> and he spake this parable unto them, saying. So they came, and the people who should not have been offended were actually offended at the fact that he preached good news. And isn't that like it today? You have those who, when they hear people like me, they'll say, well, you know, I don't know, they, they've gone off the rail or this and that, and they try and discourage people from hearing gospel truth. And then they bring all their formulas, their methods, and their rules and regulations, a mixture of law and grace, and they try and discredit the gospel truth. When in truth, we've seen that Jesus himself Put a frame around his message, which was good news about righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom of being in that state of being. Amen. And they were the ones that were upset. And the people that came to listen to him, came to him because he preached good news. Not bad news. Amen. I see so much division today. And you know, <laughs> being around more than ever before, around unsaved people, uh, you know, during the week. I see how some despise Christians, despise the church, despise Christianity because they don't hear good news. And I'm telling you, <clears throat> it's time for us to continue and do and preach good news because that's what brings people to the kingdom of God. That's what brings them to that state of being. Amen. Praise God, praise God. <clears throat> and so what happened after this? We don't have time and we'll finish it right here. But what Jesus goes into when, the, you know, when these religious leaders were upset and they murmured because supposedly according to them the wrong crowd was drawn to him and they were paying attention to him because he was sharing good news. What Jesus done is he goes on into sh to share three parables that we know well. He shares the parable of the lost sheep to make the point. He shares the parable of the lost coin to make the point. And he shares the parable of the lost son to make a point. And the point that he makes in all those parables is, is that God has a heart for people. God has a heart for the lost. God has a heart for those who have not heard good news so that they can hear it and enter into the state of being of righteousness, peace and joy, the kingdom of God. That's the point that he made with those parables. Amen. It's all good news because that is the heart of the Father, which is the heart of the gospel. Amen. And you know, ultimately, no matter where we look at in the Bible, it will always point us to good news. Even the portions that seem doom and gloom, read them in context. Let the Bible interpret the Bible. Look at it through the lens of the finished work of the cross. It will always point us to good news. Because that is God's heart for us. Amen. 
Good news will always be the central theme and the heart of the gospel. It was for Jesus and it should be for us as well. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.